This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Sacra to McDavid on the right half board. Stishes Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score! Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal, 6-2. Oilers in the Rexall finale. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It is the fabulous Friday night edition of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. It's one of them deals where I hope you'll sit back and enjoy the ride. The Edmonton Eskimos home preseason game tomorrow at the Bridgefield at Commonwealth Stadium. They will be taking on our beloved opponents, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Head coach Chris Jones back in town to face the Eskimos. You're going to hear from him in just a couple of minutes. Edmonton Oilers news today. They have re-signed forward Tyler Pitlick. One-year deal worth a reported $725,000. He's 24. The Oilers took him 31st overall back in 2010. Had some injury trouble last season. Played 37 games in the minors. Did not appear in any games with the Oilers last year. He has played 27 NHL games with Edmonton throughout his career. That is a guy where you wonder if he's uh, ever going to become a full-time NHLer at this point. Lot to talk about tonight. Man, this is a busy show. We'll get you ready for the game tomorrow. Jack Michaels is going to come on, play by play voice on the Oilers radio network as we get set for the draft. One week from tonight, we will have a draft special in this time slot, 4 to 9 p.m. next Friday on 6 30, Ched, and then next Saturday morning from 8 to 11. Colorado Avalanche defenseman Nick Holden on the show tonight. We'll tell you about a big initiative to help out. Hockey, minor hockey, minor sports organizations in Fort McMurray as they try to get things as back to normal as they can after the fire. Oh, Calgary Flames head coach Glenn Gullitson on the show as well. More to come. Thanks for tuning in. Reed Wilkins with you. Of course, you can always text 630-630. You can give us a phone call, 780-496-0063. The email is insidesports at 630ched.com. A couple of score updates off the top here. The Toronto Blue Jays leading the Orioles 4-1. This game now in the bottom of the third. Josh Donaldson has a homer tonight, as does Michael Saunders, as the Jays continue to go deep, and they continue to track down the first-place Orioles coming into this series. Toronto just two games back of Baltimore for first in the AL East. Boston lodged in between those two clubs. The U.S. Open. Continuing, Dustin Johnson and Andrew Landry tied for the lead at four under. And it's uh, still a delayed tournament. So keep that in mind. Landry shot a 66 
in the first round. Dustin Johnson uh, sitting at four under. He shot a 67 in his opening round, so he, he is now playing his uh, second round. Landry won't get around till his second round until tomorrow, so they're still playing catch-up a little bit there. We'll keep you updated as they're playing a little, uh, a little uh, delayed, a little delayed because of the weather that's been out there. 7804960063. Do we have a phone call already, Matthew? We do have a phone call right off the top. Okay. Well, we'll bring in Jason then. Jason, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, quick question for you. I can't believe that the Oilers are allowing for Connor McDavid to play in this upcoming joke of a tournament that uh, for uh, what is it? Uh, team team is he on Team North America or Team Canada? He's on North America. Okay, so this is just all risk, no reward. This isn't the Olympics. This isn't like some call to arms. This is some joke tournament made up to make money and to market the sport. And uh, that's all fine and good, but this is a rookie coming off a uh, uh, bad shoulder injury who has yet to accomplish anything in the NHL as far as uh, uh, real tangible accomplishments. And it just like I can't even believe that the Oilers are going to let this guy play. I mean, it just speaks. It's mismanagement, is what it is. Uh, okay. Well, why are the Leafs letting Austin Matthews play? That's hey. You know what? That's the Leafs are no better than the Oilers, as far as I'm concerned. When we want, these are perpetual losers of teams, and here they're just going. You know. But why are the Montreal Canadiens letting Carey Price play? Well, Carey Price has well, proven that. He, it's a good question. He was hurt all of last year. I live in Edmonton. I want to know why the star player in town who's never accomplished a thing, who's got a horrible, who's coming off a horrible uh, injury, is going to be playing in a in a in a tournament that means nothing. Well, why did he go play in the World Championships? Good question. Why? Why are the Oilers allowing this to happen? It's, this isn't a question about Connor McDavid. Look, he's a competitor. He's going to play any t- chance he can get. The Oilers need to say, show some uh, management, uh, you know, uh, toughness, and tell this guy, for our commodity, and we've invested in you, and you need to do something here before you're allowed to go and start, you know, it's like a, it's like uh, for a big film star to do some little in movie, right? You have to go and you have to make some money, and you have to prove you can make a big movie before you can do your own thing. Okay, well, I, I don't see it that way, Jason. I, I mean, look, I, questioning the validity of the tournament is, is, is fine, but star players of all ages from a whole bunch of different teams are taking part in this tournament. And you're right, it is to promote the sport and it is to make money, but most things are, are, are like that. So, I mean, should why are the Oilers letting Dreisaitl play for Team Europe? Yeah, it's all good questions, but the fact is this guy's supposed to be the... Uh... The, the savior of the franchise. He's coming off a, of, of an injury that... Okay, so should Buffalo stop Jack Eichel from playing? In my opinion, yes. Okay, we then why are we having a tournament if the best players won't be in it? Exactly. Well, because Exactly. It's a, it's a pointless tournament. It's meaningless to anybody. What happens if this guy gets injured in this tournament? Then he'll get, then he'll get injured. I mean, I, I don't know what you want me to say. Then he'll, then he'll get injured. Do you, okay, well... To my original question, do you think this is bad management? No, I don't. I think it's. Uh, I think it's every team in the NHL is letting their star player go play in the tournament. It's not even a case of letting; it's just happening. Wow. He didn't have to ask permission. He was picked to the team. Every team's not coming off of a of a uh, a decade of just 
god-awful performance on the ice. And so no Oiler player should be allowed to play internationally, even though McDavid was only part of one of those seasons. If the Oilers management front office took, took the team seriously, they would say, look, <laughs> you guys have given you guys how much money and how much time to get this thing together? Okay, so Jason, just, just clarify for me, what players should be allowed to take part in the tournament? Should all the teams who missed the playoffs bar their teams from being in the tournament? Any player can play in this tournament if their teams will allow them. Whether or not their teams should allow them is the question here. And as far as the Oilers are Well, I don't think that's the question at all. How is that possibly the question? There, this, is the, this is the thing. This is what it comes down to. This, there's no reward to, to, to performing in this tournament at all. Nothing. You're what was the reward nothing. towards playing in the World Championship? Nothing. There's nothing. It's all risk. It's all risk. This speaks, I once again... Just the terrible what was the reward towards McDavid coming back and playing the last two months of the season? Do you think they should have held him out? Yeah, I think that's probably good. But, but, but he needs to get his feet wet and get some NHL experience. So if he's going to come back and perform. But how is he going to accomplish anything like you want him to if he never plays? Oh, he needs to play and practice and, and, and train. And, but, but to be playing at that level... Uh, at a time when he needs to be focused on the upcoming season. Look, I've, I've been lived in Edmonton for five years, and I've just heard the same old story every year about how this is going to be the year and whatever. And I and and I'm just seeing all of the same bad habits trickling over. There's no there's no change. There's no improvement. And, and this is just a terrible. But I don't think that. But I don't think that's tied into international participation at all, Jason. But I mean, this is just look. I'm not against players playing in these leagues. I'm just saying this is such a glaring misstep on the part of their management. If this guy gets injured and has to miss the start of the season and they get off to a bad start, everyone's going to be saying the same thing I'm saying right now. Uh, and and, if, and frankly, this guy has shown that he can uh, he's susceptible to injury. So. Okay, thanks for calling, Jason. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Uh, Jason, I appreciate that you called. Pretty much don't agree with the word that you said. But that's okay. You know what, Jason? Just don't watch the tournament. If you think it's a stupid tournament, don't watch it. I, I, I don't know how to state that more plainly. Boy, that was a bit of a curveball right off the top. Uh, 780-496-0063. All right. Thanks to everybody texting in their reaction to that call. It's it, it's all good, everybody. We're going to take a quick timeout at 616. Hey, we got Jay Onright standing by. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. We'll have to get to the Chris Jones media availability in the next half hour of the show because uh, our old buddy, formerly of TSN, now with Fox Sports 1 in the United States, Jay Onright, is standing by. Jay, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Great. Great to be here, Reed. Uh, nice to be along board. Uh, uh, Kevin Carius uh, co-hosting tonight. No, no. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm glad that you, you think I could use a co-host. Maybe that's in the cards. But oh. no, Kevin, Kevin Carius is not here tonight, buddy. I, I know he's, okay. I know he's your favorite Edmonton Television sports anchor, though. Well, he's my favorite of all the uh, the old uh, sports night hosts. Was he the last sports night host? When they changed it from half an hour, yeah, yeah, he probably would have been. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, sometimes yeah. Sexsmith Last would guy. do it too. End of an era. You, you, now, you started on Sports Night, did you not? Yeah, I did. It was exciting. Well, 
not technically Sports Night. It was ITV News at 10. Uh, but, you know, I would look over at the Sports Night people and, and wish I was working over on that show. Because, man, it was a great show. I mean, growing up uh, when uh, Darren Detition and Perry Solkowski hosted it together, man, those are the glory years of highlight shows, I think. Well, those guys were, yeah, they, they were on the, the leading edge of, of those types of shows. And, I mean, Detition and Solkowski won't, both went on to uh, – great things but Dutitian I mean he's I'm sure a lot of younger people wouldn't even realize that he worked in Edmonton because he's been in, in TSN for like what over 20 years now I remember uh I remember when Dutchie left ITV for TSN um the Edmonton Journal sports section had it on on the front of the sports section not not the headline but it was the bottom I think it was the bottom left uh, and, you know, and it, and it was right there, like Detition leaving for TSN. So, you know, it was a big deal at the time. This is, uh, this is uh, you know, a guy who, who came up in Edmonton and, and everyone just loved him. And, and, uh, and, you know, everyone was happy he moved on to TSN and all that. But, uh, yeah, you're right. People probably don't even realize that, that he kind of cut his teeth in the, uh, in the 780. Or at that time, I think it was, it was still the 403 I, all over the rock. I think we were still blanketed by the 403. 403. <laughs> I'm just glad Edmonton is not known, uh, is not going to be known as the city where Meatloaf died. I know. Gosh, I'm, I, I, I was really worried about the guy. I was really happy my friend Joel Gottlieb uh, was there in the front row to capture some of the some of the action, and and he said, you know, he he was watching the concert and and genuinely concerned through the whole thing. I mean, Meatloaf, maybe just. Maybe just sit a few more concerts out and get better because uh, he's such a terrific performer. And have you and, seen uh, it? Uh, many, many times. Really? Uh, I actually was a roadie for Meatloaf on the Bad Out of Hell tour in the late seventies. Um, kind of a weird story. I was not yet five years old, um, and they just kind of took me on board, and I would, you know, um, get get the band booze. Uh, you know, From make sure the mics and guitars were tuned. Yeah, I'd drive out to Morinville to the liquor store, and, and uh, I'd get make sure Meatloaf and all his cronies would have uh, some booze. So, yeah, yeah, just uh, wishing the best to Meatloaf, a speedy recovery, and hopefully he can make his way back to E-Town soon uh, for another concert. Yeah, you have become, I, 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 you're certainly the biggest advocate of the Morinville liquor store community in the United States. You might even be if, a bigger advocate than some people currently living in Morinville. Well, this is the thing. You know, for all the folks listening in Morinville, um, it's one of those things where I don't know if you guys fully realize the, the treasure that you have within your community. Uh, it, it should be a tourist attraction. Um, the premier, she should probably deem it a historical significant uh, a landmark within the province of Alberta, because uh, you know the, so many of us who were underage drinkers were able to to acquire booze there. Um, man, we just owe the world to that beautiful town and its liquor store. Jay Onright from Fox Sports One joining us tonight inside Sports on six thirty. Chad, hey buddy, when was the last time someone threw their mouth guard at you? Good question. Um, I'm trying to think. That's a that's a tough one, actually. I I don't know if anyone's ever thrown a mouth guard at me, unless Dan maybe Dan maybe wore a mouth guard once. I mean, it's possible. Um, but no, I, I, that's a crazy situation. You know what I was thinking about? 
Like, I know everyone, as soon as that happened with Steph, people don't know what we're talking about. Steph Curry throwing a, his mouth guard and, and hitting a fan last night in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Uh, and, and immediately, I love this, immediately, first Jalen Rose tweets out that, oh, he's going to be suspended for Game 7. Of course, everyone's like, no, he's not. And then <laughs> later on, you know, everyone makes sure that they know, hey, the precedent for this is a fine. It's not a suspension. Like, just no preferential treatment for Steph Curry here. But I really wonder if, say, I'm trying to think of a player, say Ron Artest, you know, say someone who has a history of causing trouble, say Steven Jackson, someone like that, had thrown uh, a mouth guard at someone in the crowd in an NBA game. Are you telling me he wouldn't have been suspended at least a game? I mean, that seems strange to me. But I'm very excited about Game 7. I know – I know everybody who's a basketball fan is too. I, I, I'm like, I feel like I'm the only guy in America still rooting for LeBron. I want this guy to, to pull it off. You know, I, I feel like it's gone the other way now. People didn't like him. Now I want everyone to like that guy because all he's ever done is play great basketball his whole career, um, you know, and, and, and just try to be a good teammate uh, despite the fact that Kevin Love is playing like garbage. <laughs> Yeah, I love what was that uh, picture going around last? Or did a fan have just a picture of Kevin Love in a garbage can at the game? That, yes. was, that was great. <laughs> I don't know what's happened. Uh, you know, I was told um, by a very reliable source that he and LeBron just don't talk at all, just don't get along at all. And I, I, I can't understand what would, what would lead to that. That would, to me, that's like imagine playing on the Oilers in the late, in the mid to late '80s, and then. Um, you know, telling people, you know what, I don't really get along with Gretzky. I don't really get along with the guy. So uh, I don't know if I fit in here. Like, it's not up to you. Like, you get along with Gretzky. You, you're, that's your job. You just get along with the best player on the team. If the best player on the team has a problem with you, then you have the problem. It's something you did, and you have to rectify it. So hopefully Kevin Love hears what I'm saying and uh, and turns his career around. Uh, he's only got one game to do it. He's a big inside sports listener. What about Aisha Curry? I've lost all respect. Sorry, this is absolutely rigged for money or ratings. I'm not sure which. I won't be silent. Just saw it live. Sorry. Uh, an angry tweet uh, at the end of the game last night, <laughs> and then which, of course, she later deleted. It. Yeah, then, oh, oh, it's just heat of the moment. I, I would never mean something like that. Yeah, well, so what? I mean, yeah, maybe it is. We haven't all sent a tweet in the heat of a moment. And, by the way, like, all these people are like, just be quiet, don't say anything. She's got, like, a billion Twitter followers. Obviously, people are interested in what she has to say. Um, we're all talking about it. You and I are talking about I mean, you, you, you asked me to come on this radio show with you uh, a week ago. Uh, if a week ago I had said, hey, one of the topics we're going to be talking about is Aisha Curry, you would have been like, uh, why? Because she's Canadian? Well, she is, by the way. People might not lo- know that. Um, no, I, I just think it's interesting. You know, it actually it, it adds to the drama of the NBA Finals because she's going to obviously be at Game 7. It's in Oakland. Um, curious to see how the crowd reacts, how it all, you know, shakes down. But, uh, hey, she has every right to say whatever the hell she wants. I mean, obviously, it was a little misguided, but, you know, she has the right to her opinion. No, no, Jay, we all know it's fixed. Come on. It might be. It might be. I mean, you know, I mean, I wouldn't put it past professional sports to be fixed. I mean, we all know 
that the Ricky Ray trade was fixed oh, by you're the CFL. So, so angry about that still. When we're right? 80, the Ricky Ray. When we're, when we're 80, you're still going to be angry about that. We have Riley the now. Point, it's fine. The point is that you asked, you know, you, know you, you, you seem to allude to the fact that nothing's fixed, but we know for sure that that Ricky Ray trade was fixed. So something was fixed. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, Michael Saunders now with two home runs tonight, and the Blue Jays are cruising up 11-2 in Baltimore. It's still in the fourth inning. Your scoreboard is courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. The entire Russian track and field team banned from the upcoming Olympics in Rio. We'll get uh, some opinion on that and other Olympic issues with two-time Olympic gold medalist Jen Heil, Spruce Grove native. She's going to join us a little bit later on tonight. By the way, the acting governor of Rio has declared a state of financial disaster. A lot of uh, turbulence going on there with the economy in Rio and in Brazil. The U.S. Open continuing the rain-delayed tournament and it is uh, still Andrew Landry and Dustin Johnson on top, both at four under par. Eskimos in Saskatchewan tomorrow. Our coverage starts at 12.30 here on 6.30 Shed. The game will start at 2. We've been doing a bunch of uh, Father's Day segments on Inside Sports all week. We had Mike Riley's dad Pat on earlier. We had Mark Latestu and his dad Garth on the show on Wednesday night. You can go back and uh, listen to stuff you missed on the Inside Sports page on the Ched website and people have been asking me a certain question and the answer is yes I am going to do it I am going to have my own dad on the show later on tonight to wrap up Father's Day weekend we're going to bring him a very proud father himself Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels returning to Inside Sports this evening and Jack I know you've been a great dad this week because you're out there coaching some minor ball aren't you yeah I am actually uh the head coach of a team and in- Keto ball out here in Sherwood Park. We actually, you know, we play a bunch of Edmonton teams on the north side too. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, you know, I'm a little different than the rest of the coaches. Well, I can't imagine it, but I'd like you to explain it yourself. <laughs> well, I think you're well aware that I'd be a little bit. I'm not just uh, roll the ball out there and hey, you know, come on, Johnny, let's. Have a lot of fun and grins and you know chew bubble gum blah blah blah. I'm out there. I'm out there to teach him to play baseball and win the game. So I'm a little intense. There's no doubt about it. But you know, that, hey, my my attitude is if you're gonna play, well, you're you play with a purpose. So that's what I uh, that's what I that's what I tell the nine year olds. And if that makes me a little insane, well, I guess I can live with that. Have you ever been ejected from a game? No, I have not been ejected from a game, but I did. Uh, I'm, I, I guess if I was going to concede anything, I would concede the fact that uh, a lens in my sunglasses popped out last night after I hurled them to the ground. <laughs> That's classic, man. So how do the how do the kids react to you then? I, you'd have to ask their parents. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I haven't had any formal complaints lodged against me, um, and we've managed to carve out a few wins. But uh, I, you know, I don't know whether I don't know whether they're very pleasant and uh, say I do a good job to my face and then say something else when I'm not around, or 
or uh, what the situation is. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and and yeah, I'm 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 well aware that probably nine out of ten parents are probably sitting there thinking, "Wow, I'm not. I'm glad. I'm glad my. You know, I'd hate to be that kid." Because uh, Tyler, <laughs> of course, there's no one harder uh, on on my own son than, than me, and uh, yeah, so he 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 bears the brunt of it sometimes. I, I, I should mention to wrap up the the NBA story that Jay Onright and I were talking about in the last half hour, Steph Curry was fined $25,000 for throwing his mouthpiece and, and hitting the fan in Cleveland, and head coach Steve Kerr fined $25,000 for criticizing the officiating. I think that was I, they said that was Curry's first ejection since November of 2013, so he, he usually finishes the game. And an NBA Finals, Jack, we want to get into your mock draft that you did for the first round of the NHL, of course, but an NBA Finals that has been pretty interesting, even though the games, a lot of the games <laughs> haven't been that close. And to me, that was just a whole new level of, of bizarrity last night when you see Steph Curry, who, I mean, I've always said well, Golden State. Well, I don't State, blame him. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't, blame, I, don't, I don't mind a guy showing frustration. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him at all. I think he got rooked on at least two or three of those foul calls. And, and I think Steve Kerr's, you know, that's 25 grand well spent in his eyes. I mean, he's obviously laying the seeds for a game seven that, you know, you better not even think about fouling out the MVP of the league again because it was ridiculous. I think LeBron has been given carte blanche at times in this series. I think uh, Draymond Green put himself in a difficult situation in the first three rounds, and I, I, I think Reggie Miller is bang on when he says if the series is three, if the series is two-two, Draymond Green isn't suspended for Game Five. That very well could be the tale of this NBA Finals. You talk about a, you know, a classic turning point. That is uh, the turning point of this series in my mind. I don't have a doubt in my mind that we are long past the NHL and NBA championship series if Draymond Green's playing game five in Oakland. So now anything can happen in one game, and no one's ever rallied from 3-1 down in the finals. I think you're also seeing a Warriors team that is near the end in terms of uh, gas left in the tank. They, unlike uh, the Cavaliers, have had a you know a grinding road to get through and that western conference much like the nhl it's, it's a different animal and uh the Cavs and I, I know there are raptors fans on this station but uh look uh, along with the minnesota wild in 2003 i think they're the worst conference final team in the history of professional sports and and the Cavs have just you know absolutely had a had a breeze uh to get to this point and thus have the fresher legs and it's just, a, you know, it's going to be whether Golden State can find a way to play 48 more good minutes. I don't know whether they have uh, enough in their legs to get over the finish line. I, I think Cleveland's the fresher team. And, I, I, you know, I picked Cleveland to win the series, and I, I, I'm staying with it. I didn't think they'd rally from 3-1 down, but I, I picked them to win the series, and I think they'll win it now that they've forced a game seven. I, I love how you put that worst conference finalist tag on the Raptors in the history of professional sports. Uh. I, I, honestly, I mean, the, I, I, I'm sorry, Reed, but in in the Western Conference, where where do the Raptors finish? Ninth? I mean, they, yeah, they have a couple of All-Stars, but they don't have a couple of All-Stars out West. I mean, they, they're, they're, a, they're a decent team. That's it. I mean, they just wouldn't stand a chance against San Antonio or Oklahoma City or even Memphis. I mean, they just they're not in the same league, and 
And I initially thought that at the beginning of this series that Cleveland just had a bit of a, a shock value, like, whoa, we are in a different caliber of basketball. And they just got blown out, and it, and it took them a couple games to, to raise their level to where it needed to go because uh, they just, you know, especially in the first two rounds, they just, they just weren't pushed. And they really weren't pushed in games five or six. I, I, I think the Raptors made it so easy for them in one and two that, that the Cavs probably thought they could just lace them up and stroll into Toronto. But, uh, you know, that being said, uh, you know, that's, that's the reason for, for me feeling pretty confident of a Cavs victory. I just think the Warriors are, are ground down. It's, it's been a grind to go 73-9. and nine. They went for the record. They got it. But you pay a price. And uh, they had to negotiate some pretty tough series. The Blazers were a tough out. Oklahoma City had them down 3-1. I just don't think they have enough lift in their legs. And you see it in their lack of ball movement. They're trying to beat everyone off the dribble and do one-on-one. And that's the first thing that goes when you're mentally fatigued is your ball movement in basketball. Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers here on 630. Chad, want to touch on a couple of hockey stories here with Jack. Glenn Gullitson was named head coach of the Calgary Flames today. You will hear from him between 8 and 8.30 tonight on this very program. But you and Glenn uh, obviously would have crossed paths a few times for, well, for several years in the ECHL. I've known Glenn for 17 years. Uh, I knew him as a player with the Fresno Falcons in my first year in professional hockey in 1999. Uh, and uh, he's, he's going to be a nice fit there. His wife from Calgary, uh, he's, got a, he's got a great supportive family. He's the ultimate grinder, Reed, uh, a guy who didn't play in the league, yet another former Husky. I think that makes four now in the division. I mean, you talk about, or no, sorry, not in the division, but in in uh, in the NHL, in, in in Canada, you've got four head coaches who are former Huskies. I think you've got Babcock, Desjardins, Gullison, and McClellan. All went to the University of Saskatchewan. Is that correct? I are believe the Huskies. Uh, like I believe you're right. Name? Yes. Yeah. I, so you got you got four of Canada's coaches. Who, uh, who are from the University of Saskatchewan. But anyways, he, he was a grinder. He never came close to playing in the NHL. He's worked his way up. He's won a ton of games. Um, you know, and I, I actually, there was a, a pretty heated rivalry between the team I was working for, Alaska, and the team that he was running, uh, Las Vegas. At that time, Alaska's head coach was Davis Payne, the one-time coach of the Blues, current assistant under uh, Daryl Sutter in, in L.A., and uh, Glenn always had a lot of time for me. I always had a ton of respect for him. And I think, you know, there was a telling comment today, Reed. I don't know whether you picked up on it, but there was a comment of, you know, Glenn has the trust in his players, and that was from Brad Trey Living. And obviously there was, you know, you don't say that without there being some maybe, uh, you know, subconscious uh, purpose behind that comment. And, uh, and obviously I think that's where maybe the change was needed. And, uh, you know, I expect, I expect the Flames to be right back in the mix next year. I, you know, I, a lot of people thought it was a one-off that they got to the second round when they did. They had all those third-period comebacks. I also think it's a bit of a one-off that they, that they weren't in playoff contention next year. I do expect them to be in the mix. I expect a lot of teams to be in the mix. The Western Conference is going to be wide open next year, Reed. Top to bottom in both divisions. Uh, you could see some significant turnover among the playoff teams. As, as many as, you know, I, when I look at the Western Conference, I think as many as four or five of the top eight might fall out in, in, next year. 
want to wrap it up with your mock draft, which people can look at on the Edmonton Oilers website. You went to position number 32 because the Oilers are going to be picking there. Yep. A great tie-in because you have Carter Hart, CHL Goalie of the Year, out of the Everett Silvertips, going to the Oilers at number 32. I interviewed Carter Hart on this show last night. It was great to get to know him. I love uh, uh, introducing people to the draft prospects, guys on the cusp of making the National Hockey League. This guy said to me, Jack, he, he needs to work on his, his puck handling, but he looks up to goaltenders like Carey Price and Braden Holtby. Those are the heroes for the, the teenage generation right now. And he, he I don't know if the Oilers are going to get him, but he very well could be the, the first goalie to go in the draft next weekend. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, of course, he's the one thing he didn't touch on is he's right up the road from me. He's the Sherwood Park boy. So, um, you know, I, I think Carter Hart is, is – I agree with you. I think he's the first goalie to go. And I, I just don't see a goalie going in the first round, Reed. I, I just don't see it. Uh, I know a, a lot of people, you know, think there might be one or maybe even two goalies that go in the first round. My hunch is no. And, uh, you know, the Oilers also have three third-round picks. So maybe they have someone else in mind with a 32nd overall selection, knowing they might draft as many as, as two goalies in, in their third round. They've got, they've got volume picks in the back end of this draft. But if Carter Hart's still sitting there at 32, it'd be awfully tough for Edmonton uh, to pass on him. They need to get another prospect in the system. There's no doubt about that. And I think if he's there at 32 – makes perfect sense uh, from my point of view, as you mentioned, uh, coming off a fantastic season. Yeah, uh, he's a hard-working kid. You can tell that for sure. Bob hey. thinks it's going to be another Edmonton guy. He thinks they might go uh, Benson with that 32nd overall pick. You and I uh, work with a guy who's, who's also thinking the local ankle, but he's thinking, uh, why not take a chance on the south side? I wonder if Benson winds up going in the first round, Jack, because I, I think... think... Well, and that's what I think, Reed. I think Benson goes to a team with the depth where maybe you can take a bit of a flyer with a late first-round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get past Anaheim. What's Anaheim drafting, 24th? I think Benson, a guy who's projected to go anywhere from 20 to 50, I think he may go as, as high as 24 with the Ducks. Yeah, I, I think somebody's going to take him in the, in the first round because they recognize that injuries slowed him down and, and how hard he works, and he's got that puck protection style body and game. So, yeah, he's going to be fun and, to watch, too. And you too. know as well as I do, the key there, Reed, is, yeah, he's had some bad luck, but he hasn't had any structural injuries. We're not talking about a guy who's, who's had reconstructive surgery on a shoulder or a knee or anything of that nature. These, these are non-structural type of injuries, and that's why I think you can't label an 18-year-old kid injury-prone when he hasn't had that kind of significant injury. Yeah, fair point. Hey, Jack, thanks for talking a, a variety of sports with us. We'll have to talk Euro 2016 when you're on next week. Have a great Father's Day. Yeah, I feel like I went a little bit heavy on the NBA tonight, and for that I apologize, Reed. No, it's all good. See you soon, buddy. All right, take care. That's Jack Michaels checking in. Of course, we're going to be in Buffalo on the air one week exactly from today, bringing you coverage of the first round of the NHL draft. All right, we had to push uh, Chris Jones back because we got an unexpected phone call off the top of the show. So coming up next, former Eskimos coach, now with the Rough Riders, now back in town, Chris Jones. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right. Eskimos and Rough Riders tomorrow. Chris Jones back in town. Spoke with the media this afternoon. 
thought more about you know what we need to do as a football team more more so than coming back here. I mean, uh, it was a good two-year ride here, uh, you know, but it's it's like everywhere else I've been. I mean, I've got a job to do. Uh, they hired me for a reason, and that's where my focus is. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about what it's going to be like to get back to the stadium? Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, again, I've been in that stadium a bunch of times before, yeah. you know, on the other side. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, when you're around this stuff as long as I've been, I mean, 15 years in the league, I mean, uh, you know, again, it's just uh, we've got a job to do, you know, and that's mm -hmm. kind of the way I'm approaching it. How's it gone so far for you as, uh, you know, the long wait when you got hired and then finally get the uh, guys in the field and go through a training camp? Yeah, you know, it's been a good training camp. It's been very fast. We're very athletic. Uh, you know, we got a bunch of guys that have never played together, so we're still, you know, feeling each other out and, you know, knowing who each other really are. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, especially defensive, there's a lot of new faces. And so, uh, again, we've got, uh, we got some work to do. Have you ever had an experience like this where you've had so many, I know they're all new to you, but, I mean, to each other, such a, te a team that's been so well, I mean, defensively, so we had a rebuild in, in Calgary. We had a rebuild in, in Toronto where we had a lot of new guys, guys that never worked together. So, uh, you know, it's not uncharted territory. How much have you enjoyed being the head coach, the D coordinator, and also the general manager, and also – you know, the vice president of football operations. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, that sounds like a big mouthful. But again, I've been pretty heavily involved, you know, in the last two organizations that I've been in. And uh, again, it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, I'm the head football coach and and uh, just happened to also call the defensive plays and uh, and I help find the people, you know. I mean, I've got two guys in, in uh, Jeremy O'Day and John Murphy who are outstanding. They're well proven in the league. They they know personnel and uh, certainly they've uh, they've done a good job of helping me assemble talent. As Dave said, you're an in-the-moment guy, but can you take a minute and just kind of reflect on two years at, that you spent here? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, the organization here was very good to me. Uh, you know, Ed Harvey gave me my first shot at being a head football coach, which I'm very grateful. Uh, you know, the city was very receptive to me. I've got a lot of friends here still in the, in the city and uh, people that love, uh, you know, as soon as we landed today, I had a number of uh, text messages from people that, that uh, me and the staff befriended. And, uh, you know, and so I, it was a great time here. And if you're going out, it's a pretty good way to go out the way you did. Win yeah, you know what I mean. It was a great locker room. I mean, we've talked about it before. I've I've told our group. You know, I mean, we probably weren't the most talented group, but we were definitely the the tightest you know locker room, and that's we're trying to emulate the same thing over in Saskatchewan. Chris, what do you think the reception will be like tomorrow? Or does it matter to you? You know what? I'm I'm sure it'll be, you know, typical. You know, when you leave somewhere, uh, you know, and uh, that it'll be won't be the the friendliest of uh, of welcomes. I would sure. You're okay wearing the black hat? <laughs> well, I mean, that's normally, that seems like normal for me. Uh, when did you get your Grey Cup ring? Uh, got it about a week ago. Yeah? Yeah, I got it about a week ago, yeah. So when you first saw it, what'd you think? Well, I mean, it's a nice ring. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful ring. It's a, it's kind of a, you know, a large throwback version, you know. It looks yeah. like some of the ones that Dwayne has and uh, some of the ones that they won in years past, uh, just a little bit larger. How long did it take for you to enjoy it and just put it aside and focus on the now, which is the 2016 season? Well, we as coaches, we went out. Uh, we happened to have a, a night off that night, and we went out and had had a good time, you know, and, and reminisce a little bit. But, I mean, again, we've got so much to do. We, uh, we've got a job to do, man. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.